God bless you, and welcome to the Solution Radio Show. Thank you for joining me today. I'm Greg Backus, your host. Jesus Christ is the solution for all the situations you and I might find ourselves in. He is God's solution for all mankind, for all time. He stated in the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. He is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. Jesus Christ is the one who makes a difference. He made a difference in people's lives 2,000 years ago when he lived and walked among people. And he makes a difference today because he was raised from the dead and he is today seated at God's right hand in the heavenlies. I trust that Christ Jesus makes a difference in your life today, that you see the tremendous love that God has for you, that you come to have a deeper and more full relationship with God as your heavenly Father, that you see your purpose in life is far above the day-to-day circumstances of life. God's love for you, it knows no bounds. Today we will hear some wonderful music and read some of the Bible together regarding victorious living in Christ. We also have a testimony that was called into our praise line from a wonderful friend and sister in Christ from New Jersey. We'll listen to that. And our interview segment is an interview with Lou Graham, former lead singer of Foreigner, and his testimony of coming to know the Lord Jesus Christ. This interview that I'll play today is an edited version from a YouTube podcast, and on our website, I'll place a link there to the full interview. It's an interview you'll definitely want to stick around for, especially if you, like me, grew up listening to the band Foreigner. Let's start off with God's Goodness, God's Love by George Hackett. Let's talk about God's goodness and God's love. Let's tell the world how he so loved, he gave his only son. Let's talk about God's goodness and God's love. Oh, that men might live for him, after all he's done for them. Let's not waste another day. Time is short, so let's keep in mind. People need to hear the word of life, and when they hear, their hearts can change. Let's talk about God's goodness and God's love. Let's tell the world how He so loved, He gave His only Son. Let's talk about God's goodness and God's love. God is faithful to forgive our sin And so with boldness we can come to Him His loving heart will never change And we declare what we have heard of Him That others too can turn their hearts to Him And see our Father's loving way So 
let's talk about God's goodness and God's love. Let's tell the world how He so loved, He gave His only Son. Let's talk about God's goodness and God's love. Let's talk about God's goodness and God's love. Let's tell the world how He so loved, he gave His only Son. Let's talk about God's goodness and God's love. Let's talk about God's goodness and God's love. Let's talk about God's goodness. Let's talk about God's love. You know, there are days when life is not easy. I have those kind of days, and I have no doubt that you do as well. It might include not feeling the best physically. It could include someone being rude to you or speaking evil about you behind your back. Or maybe you had a fender bender on your way to work. Or maybe at the end of the month, you had more bills than you had money to pay. Or... Maybe you've lost a loved one from an illness or an accident. We all find ourselves in these types of situations and circumstances at one time or another. It's a part of life because of this world that we live in. It's important, though, that we know and remember that the circumstances of our life do not define our loving Heavenly Father. So, so often... God is blamed for what happens in life, whether it be good or bad. God is always good. The devil, he is always evil. Those that blame the one true God for the evil found in the world do not yet know the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. They may mouth that they know God, but they really don't know him. For if they did, they would not blame him for the calamity and the destruction that takes place in the world, including things like the weather or murderous dictators that rule the nations of the world or disease that kills or the terrorist that freezes its prey by fear before killing them. There is a tremendous spiritual battle going on behind the scenes in all those areas that is hidden from view to most people. Many scoff at the idea of there being a devil who is responsible for the evil in the world. And, you know, there's just as many that don't believe that there is a God who is loving and all-powerful and concerned about each individual. Let's begin by reading in Ephesians chapter 6. If you have your Bible handy, Ephesians chapter 6 verses 10 through 12 is where we'll start. It says in verse 10, Finally, my brethren... Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. It is very clear in these verses from Ephesians that we are to be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. I'm not to be strong in my 
own physical ability to overpower another, or my quick satirical wit to have a comeback of cutting words to another person. No, we are to be strong in the Lord, utilizing all of the armor of God in order to stand against the methods of the deceit of this world and the devil. Why? Because we don't wrestle, we don't struggle with flesh and blood. In other words, it's not me against Aunt Sally when she speaks evil of me and accuses me of something I didn't do. It's not one nation against another only on a physical level when bombs are dropped and troops are deployed. It's not the adherence of a false religion killing unbelievers in the name of their God because they're so devoted to their cause. That may be what we see with our eyes in the physical, but it goes much deeper than that because it says here in Ephesians, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. That's what the Word of God says. Some listening today might think, well, you know, that's stupid. You really believe that? Yes, I do. Why? Because I believe that God's Word is truth. Everybody believes something. We all stake our lives on something. It might be as simplistic as make as much money as I can and live the good life and only superficially care for others when it benefits me while being distracted by the cares of this world and enjoying the lusts of the flesh. Or it could be as deep as building a relationship with the one true God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, and seeing life from his perspective, a behind-the-scenes spiritual perspective of truth, which would include understanding the fallen nature of man, the need for a Redeemer, and God meeting that need by sending his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and it would also include seeing clearly the culmination of God's plan for his people in Christ at the return of Jesus Christ. Each of us decides the path our life will take. It reminds me of a poem that I first heard many years ago by John Oxenham, and I'd like to read it. It's titled, The Ways. To every man there opens a way, and ways, and a way. And the high soul climbs the highway, and the low soul gropes the low, and in between on the misty flats the rest drift to and fro. But to every man there opens a highway and a low, and every man decides the way his soul shall go. Each of us decides the path our life will take. The high soul, he is the one who builds that relationship with God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, and lives as a son of the Most High God. The low soul, that's the one who lives for evil and the manipulation of others. He is sold out to do the will of God's archenemy, the devil. But in between those two, 
all the rest drift to and fro, tossed about by the circumstances of life. Each of us, each of us, decides the path our life will take. Let's look at the Gospel of John, chapter 16. We'll start here in verse 27. For the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came out from God. I came forth from the Father and am come into the world. Again, I leave the world and I go to the Father. Verse 29, his disciples said unto him, Now speakest thou plainly, and you speak no proverb. Now are we sure that thou knows all things, and needs not that any man should ask thee. By this we believe that thou camest forth from God. Verse 31, Jesus answered them, Do ye now believe? Behold, the hour comes, yea, is now come, that all of you shall be scattered, every man to his own, and shall leave me alone. And yet I am not alone, because the Father is with me. Verse 33, These things I have spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Jesus Christ spoke the words he spoke, so that we might understand and have peace in him. He said that while living in this world, we would have tribulation. The tribulation spoken of here is the pressures of this life, the negative circumstances that we may find ourselves in from time to time. This tribulation referred to here is not the end times tribulation of the book of Revelation. It is rather the pressures of this life. Jesus goes on to say, But, in contrast, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Jesus Christ overcame the world by his obedience to God and in God's demonstration of his approval of the life of Jesus Christ by raising him from the dead. Now let's look to the answer to the question of how did Jesus Christ deal with tribulation, the pressures of the world, and temptation? Let's look in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 4. We'll start here in verse 1. And Jesus, being full of the Holy Spirit, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being forty days tempted of the devil. And in those days he did eat nothing, and when those days were ended, he afterward hungered. And the devil said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, command this stone that it be made bread. And Jesus answered him, saying, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Jesus replied to the temptation with the written word of God. He said, It is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but in contrast, by every word of God. Verse 5, And the devil, taking him up into a high mountain, showed unto him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said unto him, All this power will I give you, and the glory, 
for that is delivered unto me, and to whomsoever I will, I give it. If thou therefore wilt worship me, all shall be thine. Verse 8, And Jesus answered and said unto him, Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shall thou worship. Jesus didn't argue with the devil. He didn't try to reason with him. He replied with the word of God. Notice, too, that Jesus Christ didn't say, No, you don't have the kingdoms of the world and their power and their glory. Jesus Christ knew the authority that the devil was handed when Adam disobeyed God in the Garden of Eden thousands of years ago. God's arch enemy today gives to whom he wills the power and the glory of the kingdoms of this world. Think about that for a moment. Verse 9, And he brought him to Jerusalem, and he set him on a pinnacle of the temple, and he said unto him, If you be the Son of God, cast yourself down from here. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you to keep you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest at any time you dash your foot against the stone. Here, the devil used the word of God out of context to tempt Jesus to sin. The devil knows the word of God. He just took it out of context here, and he misused it. Not surprisingly, there are some today that will misuse the word of God, taking it out of context to justify a scheme or a belief. Verse 12, And Jesus answering said unto him, It is said, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And when the devil had ended all the temptation, he departed from Jesus for a season. Here in Luke, when Jesus was confronted with the opportunity to sin or to give in because of the circumstances he found himself in, he countered the temptation, he countered the situation with his Father's word. Could Jesus possibly be on to something here? Did he know something about words and the power of the spoken, believed word of God that maybe we have missed somewhere along the line? Jesus didn't try to convince the devil to his way of thinking. He didn't use logic to try and dissuade the temptation. He didn't apologize for the circumstance that he found himself in. He didn't question God and say, you know, why did you put me into this situation? Why did you do this to me? He didn't hem and haw, wondering any what-ifs. No. Jesus Christ, he spoke God's word. Today, some so easily dismiss the word of God. They say the Bible, well, it's an old fogey book, and its ideas are outdated and just not very useful for today. We've really come a long way since those days. Some say the, the Bible is not necessary because the, the Spirit, the Spirit will teach me all I need to know. And still others, they pick and choose only the parts of the Bible that agree with their group or their denomination, elevating sometimes their knowledge above the heart and the love of God. I believe we all could agree that Jesus Christ God's only begotten Son lived the life that each of us who love God 
also desire to live. He is my example. He's your example. In the church epistles, we are exhorted to imitate him. We are encouraged to walk in his steps. For those that have eyes to see, this record in Luke is one to imitate and live. You might ask, you know, Greg, where are you going with all this today? Well, the tribulation, the pressures of life, the circumstances of life, poverty, sickness, heartache, depression, addictions, death of loved ones, all of it has been dealt with in the life, death, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why is it that so very few of God's children in all of history, let alone this day and time, have risen above the circumstances of life to reign as a super-conqueror in this life, making known a living Christ to a dying world? Why is it that so few of us have risen up to believe who we are in Christ and who God is as our Father? Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost or to those that are perishing, in whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. The God of this world is the devil. He is very real. Many say that he doesn't exist but they say they believe in Jesus Christ. Well, I have to ask you, who was Jesus Christ talking to in Luke 4, which we read earlier? The systems of this world are designed to discredit the one true God and to disparage his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. The God of this world has masterfully set up distractions of entertainment for the masses of people to keep them from delving into the heart issues of life. Life is lived on a superficial level for many, tied up in the day-to-day -day struggle to survive. Work, pay bills, eat and sleep. Tomorrow, do it again. Work, pay bills, eat and sleep. It's a cycle that never ends for most people. Whether you're on the low end or the high end of income, doesn't matter. Then, when there's a break in the cycle, it's filled with the distraction of amusement and entertainment to keep people from pursuing a relationship with the one true God. In the parts of this world where there is not an abundance, allowing the time for the distractions of entertainment, there, people are consumed with just surviving day to day. Either their lives are in danger from enemies, or they struggle to have enough to eat. Either way, it's no way to live. It's not living. And either way, without a relationship with God, life is meaningless. What is it to gain the whole world, yet to lose your soul? The circumstances, the situations you and I may find ourselves in, do not define 
whether we are a super conqueror in Christ or not. It is our response to those trials and temptations and situations that determine our status as a super conqueror in Christ. Do we live in this world as the Lord Jesus Christ did with it is written? Or do we wallow in despair and darkness, complaining, not seeing any way out of the situation? In 1 John, we see what it is to overcome the world. Let's look at 1 John chapter 4. Uh, we'll start here in verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loves is born of God and knows God. He that loves not knows not God, for God is love. In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world that we might live through him. Verse 10, herein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the full payment for our sins. God loved us, in Romans 5 it says, when we were ungodly enemies and sinners. God loved us when we needed it the most. When we were at our lowest, he loved us. He doesn't love us because of how good we are. He loves us because he is love. Verse 11, Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. What would ever give me the right to not love you? Or you the right to not love me? Your life is no better than mine. My life is no better than yours. We were all in the past ungodly sinners and enemies. The Christian church today needs to grow up. The backbiting, the ego, the pride, all of it. It's a total waste of time and energy. It's a deception that keeps God's people from being the super conquerors they were called to be. Let's continue in verse 12. No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwells in us and his love is perfected in us. Hereby we know that we dwell in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen, verse 14, and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. It reminds me of John chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, where we, we see God's love, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Verse 15, we'll continue here in 1 John. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwells in him and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God has to us. God is love, and he that dwells in love dwells in God and God in him. Herein, verse 17, herein, this herein, God dwelling in us and our dwelling in God, 
Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness, and that boldness is boldness of speech, even in the face of intimidating circumstances, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. And that day of judgment here is referring to today, because today is man's day. Man does the judging today. Today men do the judging. We are to have boldness in the face of intimidating circumstances. Why? Because as he, Jesus Christ, is, so are we in this world. As he is, so are we in this world today. How is he? Well, he's seated at the right hand of God as the head of the body of Christ to which you and I belong. Where he is, is where we are. That is why we can have boldness of speech to walk in love and boldly proclaim God's word. Verse 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear has torment. He that fears is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. Verse 20, if a man say, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he that loves not his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loves God love his brother also. Chapter 5, verse 1, Whosoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone that loves him that begat loves him also that is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, verse 3, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. God's commandments, they're not grievous. They're not burdensome. It's not talking here about the Ten Commandments. It's talking about the command to love God and to love one another, to live love, to live as Christ lived, and to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 4, For whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our believing. Who is he that overcomes the world? But he that believes that Jesus is the Son of God. None of us in life is the Lone Ranger. Despite the trials and the temptations of life that we all face, no matter our station in life. It's the love of God for us and the love we have for God and for one another and our believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. That is what overcomes the world. Even if today in my life I don't believe to see the deliverance needed, I don't blame God and neither should you. We are to recognize the source of the affliction the evil one. And we know that God has promised the return of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. In the fullness of times, the promise of our Lord's return will absolutely take place. 
The war was won when God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. The full redemption of those redeemed by the Holy One, you and me, it will take place when we meet the Lord in the air. Until that time, we've got little skirmishes in this world. We've got negative circumstances. We have the pressures of life. These give us the opportunity to glorify our Heavenly Father by trusting Him, walking in love, believing His Word. Continue, I encourage you to continue to imitate the Lord Jesus Christ in your life. Only speak, it is written. Recently, Denise from New Jersey called our praise line. Let's listen to this wonderful testimony of God's love and protection. In October of 2012, Superstorm Sandy devastated much of the East Coast. Hit particularly hard were New York and New Jersey. We live right in the middle of where Sandy did the most damage. Our home is in a neighborhood with many trees. Our property is a one-acre wooded lot with very tall, mature trees surrounding our house. Even in much milder storms, it's not uncommon for branches to come down. Certainly with winds predicted to be up to 80 miles per hour, in the natural realm one would brace for whatever nature may bring. Our neighborhood has a private online social network that enables neighbors to communicate with one another. It was buzzing with activity leading up to the storm, well-meaning neighbors making suggestions to help one another prepare. I decided to post a comment to encourage people that with, with all of our preparations, let's remember to look to God for His protection as he alone can keep us safe. I received one positive reply from my sweet next-door neighbor. The morning of the day the storm was to arrive, weather reports of doom and gloom streamed across our big TV screen. I found myself being drawn into the reports a little too much. I decided to turn off the television and soak up the good news instead. I listened to a teaching on God's divine protection from Psalm 91. The teacher used a phrase I never heard used this way before. She said, when you take God's protection by agreeing with his promises of protection, you are dwelling in the secret place of the Most High and therefore abiding under the shadow of the Almighty and are tucked into God. I found that image very comforting, and it immediately dispelled any fear trying to enter my mind. I then found another teaching by someone from another ministry on God's protection. When he said, we are tucked into God, I laughed out loud and my heart was more than settled. After that, my husband Steve and I prayed together. As we were praying, I saw not with my eyes, but in my spirit. Gigantic angels standing all over our property. They were twice as tall as our huge trees. They were each holding the tops of our trees effortlessly. 
Every angel held up a tree, which with each of their two hands extended out to their sides. God's loving kindness and grace to go over and above to reassure me of his protection for us was beyond measure. I was humbled at his grace towards me. That evening, our power went out. It was pitch black outside. Steve, myself, and our two daughters were in the kitchen playing a card game by candlelight. The winds were fierce and unlike anything I had ever experienced before. It sounded like a freight train was just outside our kitchen window. Steve went to the window and boldly rebuked the winds in Jesus' name. They would immediately stop. Within a few minutes, they would start up again. Steve would get up, rebuke the winds, and sit back down. This happened repeatedly. It became almost humorous as they continued. Actually, our daughters did find it humorous and were cracking jokes about it. As mentioned, our electrical power was lost. Therefore, what was about to happen shouldn't have, although at the time we didn't realize it. (laughs) Our landline telephone rang. It was our beloved brother Larry calling from Maine. He was calling to check in on us and pray with us. It was so wonderful to hear his voice in the middle of this ferocious storm. That night, we all went upstairs to our bedrooms. Following day, Steve and I agreed that we both had an exceptionally good night's rest. We never woke up until morning, which was unusual for me as I am a light sleeper. When morning came, I looked out my bedroom window. Surprisingly, not one branch was down. I didn't even notice twigs on the ground. I looked out to view all the sides of my property. Nothing came down. My sweet next-door neighbor's property also looked perfect. I thought to myself, This storm wasn't so bad after all. Certainly not as bad as the wind sounded the night before. Since our power was out, we decided to take a drive into town to get some coffee. As we were pulling out of the driveway, a neighbor was walking and asked where we thought we were going. We said, we're going to get a cup of coffee. She informed us we weren't going anywhere since both ends of our street had trees down blocking cars coming in or leaving our neighborhood. Later, we found out that many of our neighbors slept in their basements for safety. Somehow, that never crossed our minds. We knew we were tucked in safely under his wings. In the days ahead, we learned of the horrific damage to so many. Many of our neighbors had significant damage to their homes, and most had lots of branches and or trees come down. However, our next-door neighbor who agreed with my comment to look to God for his protection was also protected from harm. Once again, God's power proved to be greater than any threat against us, and the name of Jesus is still the name above all others. Our interview segment today is with Lou Graham, former lead singer of Foreigner, and his testimony of coming to know the Lord Jesus Christ. This interview is an edited version from a YouTube podcast. On the website, there will be a link to the full interview. I was doing music uh, from the time I was about seven years old. Really? I had a desire to to play drums. And uh, basically, uh, I think that, that music was in the blood because my, my dad had a big band in the 40s, 
my mom was the singer in that band. Wow. So it, it, it's, in, it's in your bloodstream, it's in your DNA, as they say. Yeah, in the genes, too. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and uh, went to a recording studio where they had already recorded some tracks, which eventually were on the, were on the first album. And they asked me to uh, d demo the song the way I felt it. So I did that, and they asked me to stay another night, and then another night, and then work with Mick and, and Ian McDonald on new songs. And, and uh, pretty soon I was going, guys, I, I'm, I've been out of clothes now for five days, <laughs> uh, uh, and you haven't told me, am I in? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Oh, yeah, sorry. Uh, yeah, you're in. We forgot to tell you. Yes. <laughs> and do I get paid for this gig or <laughs> yes. what? Yes. Well, but that was the beginning. That was the beginning. And uh, we got turned down by everybody. Wow. Except Atlantic Records. And, oh, and that's a biggie. Yeah, and, and uh, John Kladner, John David Kladner, was the, the uh, A&R rep at that time. And he heard something in the band. And uh, actually, he was largely responsible for signing us to Atlantic Records. And did, what was the first song that hit for you? First song that hit was "Feels Like the First Time," and this was the first time. And it was the first time. So it was almost prophetic in what you were singing. It sure was. How how well did that record do for you? I think it went to to number six in the charts, and and in those days, when when the song would reach a certain point and would start to drop, you would release the second single. So as the first one was dropping, the second one would cross over it. And the, the second song, I believe, was, uh, I think it was Cold as Ice. Well, that became a big record. Yeah, that went to number, I think, number three. Wow. And stayed there for a long time. So this continued on? I mean, this, you, you it kept did. releasing records yep. that were hitting and, for And you. we were touring also. One of the songs that seems to linger in many people's minds, including my own children, I Want to Know What Love Is. It's a beautiful song. And it's a, it was a seemed to be a turn, a different a different sound for you guys. It definitely but, was. But it was multi platinum. I mean, it went. It, it went number one around the world. Wow. And uh, I remember um, when we were recording that song, uh, um, uh, a friend of Mick's um, came in, and um, he was a representative for for a small gospel label label out of New Jersey and suggested that, that on a song like this, maybe we should use a choir, and suggested uh, a, a, a choir that he was involved in on his small label, the New Jersey Mass Choir. So they came in, and, and uh, before they sang, they got in a big circle and held hands and said the Lord's Prayer. Oh, wow. And we were in the control room, and I could remember the short hair on the back of my neck standing up. I was like, dear me, you know? And, and when they sang, I want to know what love is, it was just, it was just, it, ch it just changed, <laughs> it changed the, the meaning of the song. Yeah, what, what, did, what, what kind of meaning did it take on for you? What was, how were you, how was that going through, what kind of process? Well, I, I knew the song uh, uh, was about uh, a relationship between a man and a woman, and that's, that's, uh, when we started the song, that's the direction I knew Mick wanted to take. I think that it that it was 
the song was vague enough in 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 its lyrics that when the, the choir was put on it it kind of had a double meaning it mm. yes it could be about a man and a woman but it could be uh, about a person and and their god you know did you have any frame of reference for that then uh, uh, god frame of reference was that at not, all in your life not really no no was do you think that was a seed moment for you it definitely i think it definitely was because there was many many people who who suggested that the song was was more than met the eye really yes what was your response to that uh, i i agreed with them because I, the more i listened to it the more i heard it too at this point in time now you i mean you're extremely successful did you buy into the whole rock and roll scene you know sex drugs rock and roll were you living the life i was yeah doing doing all that stuff all of it it was that that's not something you had been raised in i mean you had been no. raised in a good solid Absolutely. family background uh, I, I think it was more like when when i came to new york it, it was it was prevalent mm -hmm. a and uh, most of the guys in the band kept different hours i was used to being up early in the morning and in bed by midnight uh, uh, and when we would record a lot of the times we would we would begin recording at five or six in the afternoon mm -hmm. and work till four or five the next morning and to me that just went against the grain you know and and i think as as time went on uh, uh, my sensibilities were were not clear anymore and and uh, uh, i just began to you know be one of the guys in all ways how did that change for you I think that I could feel myself changing inside as a person. In a negative way. In a negative way. What did you do about that? How did you, did you face up to that reality? Not right away. No, so you, you wrote it out. I mean, you had, you have everything, all the trappings of success, so what do you need? Well, uh, uh, I needed more of the same. More success? and everything that went with it and all that so how did that how did you finally grapple with that reality that this wasn't doing it for you i mean were you standing there in a given moment singing a song were you in a room by yourself when you said okay buddy this ain't doing it and let's be honest let's be true i think it was uh, uh, a night after we had played madison square garden and oh, wow. and uh, and i lived about 60 miles north of manhattan and and I was not in a condition to drive myself home. You were high. And the after party. Oh yeah. After show party. Sure. I knew my wife and children would be expecting me, but but I number one knew I couldn't drive myself, nor did I want to have them see me like that. How long you'd been married? Uh, at that point, a little over ten years. Wow. And two children. And two children. So, so I stayed the night in, in uh, Manhattan and, and grappled with the person I had become. What did you see? Something that I didn't like. Didn't like, didn't respect. Saw the possibility of uh, my own demise. Really? Yep. I knew there wasn't anybody in the world that could, that could help me. Did you know how to pray? 
it, it was a, is a prayer something that can be rehearsed or I, I what don't kind think, of prayers? I think it was, I think I, I just started talking to God. It wasn't necessarily a prayer in prayer form. It, it, mm -hmm. was, it was a conversation. Saying? That, that I, I didn't want to be in this position and uh, that I really believed that, that the lifestyle had the better of me and, and th that I couldn't walk away from it now that I needed it more than it needed me. I, I prayed for, for the strength and, and the, the sense to, to break the chain. The next morning I called a place that a friend had told me about and it was uh, Hazleton in, in Minnesota and booked a flight for myself and, and went to rehab. You signed yourself up for that for mm -hmm. rehab. Was it a Christian? Uh, it, it, I didn't facility? know. I didn't know if it was or not. But but uh, um, it was a it was a very good facility, and uh, that there was a, a a pastor there on call, and that was part of the the rehab uh, uh, is to connect or reconnect with God. That's when I became a Christian. So was there a given moment with the pastor? Or yes. What? Yes, there was. He confronted you with God yes, slash he Jesus? Yes. He did? Mm-hmm. And you, you, took, you received that moment? I definitely did. It's what I'd wanted for a long time. And you, you knew this was it? I knew this was it. Had you ever had any encounter with Jesus prior to that specifically? Um, as a as a kid, I yeah. think of course, and I went to uh, to to uh, a, a church with with uh, my brothers, and went to uh, religious instructions as part of uh, school. I think when I was old enough to drive, my dad would let me borrow his car to take my younger brother to church, and we would end up at McDonald's <laughs> for an hour. But here's the moment now. I mean, this pastor prays with you. You pray, Jesus Christ, come into my life. It yes. was one of those kind Absolutely. of prayers. It's, it was a conversion yes. prayer. Yes. Yeah. He asked me if I was sure that that's what I wanted. So he didn't push you into this? No, not at all. By your own volition? It, it was an option that he was offering me. Did you detect any immediate change or was this something that began to evolve over the I, next few days, weeks, I months? I certainly felt good, very good. I don't think I'm imagining that I, that I felt a, a internal strength that I had been completely empty uh, inside for, for years. And there was something that was was there that was different for me. Did you tell your bandmates? Not right away. I waited until the next tour and we were on the bus. And after, after the show, as usual, we were driving the bus to the next city and the cocaine lines came out and, and the, the joints came out and, and uh, I, I let them know that I wouldn't be doing that with them and I wouldn't be doing it anymore. And their response was? What in the world's wrong with you? <laughs> What's wrong with you? Yes. 
it was just the, the 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 way things had been for for a long time. Now this was ninety one, and we had been together since seventy six. So so this was a long time, and and when I walked away f from from that life uh, and accepted the Lord, uh, I had the strength to walk away from that, and uh, a little at a time started planting seeds within that band. About your relationship with Jesus, mm -hmm. how did the, how did the, your your bandmates receive that or not receive? Most that? of them were were pretty angry because you had made this decision. Because making the decision uh, changed me from the old partying Lou mm. that used to be right there with them. So that would create all kinds of strain. I mean, a, a, a band is a pretty intimate group of people. You're living this little world, it's almost like a marriage. And now your life has taken a, a turn. You can't party with the boys anymore. No, I can. I don't want to. You chose not to. Yes. I've got to take a little time A little time to think things over between the lines In case I need it when I'm older
Thank you for joining us today on the Solution Radio Show. I trust you enjoyed the Praise Line testimony from Denise of New Jersey, as well as the interview with Lou Graham. All of the Solution Radio Shows are archived at thesolutionradioshow.com, where you may re-listen at your convenience. There are also links there to the websites of our guests, musicians, and sponsors. Also on the website, there's a page for upcoming events. We've got a couple events here in the Aurora Naperville area. Uh, Coming up soon, Saturday, February 20th, we'll have a music night with Aaron Schaefer at Grace Christian Fellowship. And also, I have the privilege of teaching three evenings on the book of Thessalonians and the awesome hope we have with the return of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That will be on Tuesday evenings, February 23rd, March 8th, and March 15th at Grace Christian Fellowship here in Naperville. If you'd like your event listed, you can send the information to info at thesolutionradioshow.com. A reminder that the Praise Line is open 24 hours a day where you may call in and give a testimony of God's working in your heart and life. The number is 844-705-3410. Once again, that number, 844-705-3410. We'll play some of those testimonies in upcoming shows. If you have any comments or questions, please email info at thesolutionradioshow.com. Thank you for continuing to keep in your prayers the expansion of the Solution Radio Show. Due to the wonders of modern technology, we know that we have listeners all over the world and all throughout the United States. The Solution Radio Show is listener-supported, both by your prayers and your financial giving. All donations are tax-deductible. Thank you for your support. It's greatly appreciated. Our mailing address is The Solution Radio Show, P.O. Box 9002, Naperville, Illinois, 60567. Once again, that mailing address, P.O. Box 9002, Naperville, Illinois, 60567. There is also a donation link available on our website. Thank you for listening today. Have an awesome rest of your day. God bless you. You are God's very best.